Welcome to Talk the Talk. I'm Bill Newman. And I'm Buzz Eisenberg. And we have today a very special edition of Black in the Valley as we continue our celebration of Black History Month with our segment host, Professor of African American Studies at UMass Amherst, Milkar Shabazz. Professor, you have with you and us today a very special guest. Would you care to introduce him? And then I'm going to ask you about Black History Month, and you are going to help us understand the celebration that will be occurring. So, Professor Shabazz. Absolutely. Our guest today is Jaman Ariel Hill. He's a poet, playwright, professor, and performer. As an award-winning poet um, and playwright, uh, in 2018, he claimed the title of third best slam poet in the world. And in 2019, he wrote, produced, and starred in an award-winning one-man show, Black Enough, which played off-Broadway. Jamon Hill has become a sought-after poet internationally, and his poems uh, and poetry videos have garnered millions of views online. He's a professor at uh, uh, the University of Alabama, where he received his master's degrees in both communication studies and women's studies. And at the core of his creative work is, uh, is this idea of the flourish. Uh, it's in, and, and we're gonna talk more about that, and, but it, it stems from this idea that black people are infinitely possible beings. I have to say, um, I'm so excited to have him here. Uh, people that know me know that I taught at the University of Alabama for eight years. Uh, uh, my beloved Demetria uh, earned her master's and PhD degrees at um, uh, University of Alabama. So today is a special kind of uh, roll tide uh, 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 reunion here with uh, with Brother Jamon Hill. Welcome. Thank you, and roll tide. Um, Before, uh, professors, you have your discussion and we hear more of the work of uh, Professor Jamon Hill. Could you spend a minute with us, Professor Shabazz, and tell us a bit of the history of Black History Month? Sure. The story of Black History Month uh, begins in Chicago, Illinois, during the summer of 1915. An alumnus of the University of Chicago with with many friends in the city, uh, Carter G. Woodson, uh, who had traveled from from Washington, D.C. to participate in a national celebration of the 15th anniversary of emancipation in the state of Illinois. Thousands of African-Americans traveled across the country to see exhibits there in Chicago, highlighting their progress as a people and um, uh, since the uh, had made since the, the the end of slavery, and having been awarded uh, the doctorate in history three years earlier, uh, Woodson joined the other exhibitors with a Black History display, um, and it was in in that work seen by an overflow uh, crowd of six to twelve thousand people. I think is where uh, doc, uh, Dr. Woodson really got the idea that there there was an appetite there was a hunger there was there was some need there uh amongst the populace for um for for a a deeper and richer understanding of the uh of the history of african people so he founded the journal of negro history in 1916 it is still published to this day 
they later renamed uh, the journal the Journal of African American History, but um, it's a regular peer-reviewed publication, very scholarly, and, and uh, all kinds of folks have been published in that journal. It's currently edited by a good friend of mine, Burtis English, just took over as editor. And so um, doing this work, uh, uh, part of a, a, a fraternity uh, known as Omega Sci-Fi, him and many of his frat brothers uh, got together and created Negro History and Literature Week. They later renamed it Negro Achievement uh, Week. And this started really catching on uh, in, in schools. And, uh, uh, and of course, this is a time of fully segregated America, but uh, many began to, to uh, catch on with Negro History Week. And I think their first press release was in 1926 uh, announcing on behalf of the Association for the Study of uh, then Negro Life and History, today known as Association for the Study of African American History. They started really popularizing this and it grew as a week-long celebration in February because of the, the two important dates of the date, the birth of Frederick Douglass and the birth of Abraham Lincoln. And that was the reason for choosing that particular week in February. Uh, and But it was in the 1970s, after the death of Dr. Martin Luther King and, and uh, the explosion of Black studies and Black power movement, um, it then was institutionalized at the level of the of the U.S. Congress and signed by the President Nixon, I think, to establishing it as Black History Month. And that's where we've been ever since. Well, thank you for that. We really appreciate that that history lesson. I, you have with us today uh, Professor Jamon Hill, internationally known uh, poet and poetry slam uh, artist. And I believe that Professor Hill will be here in Amherst, yes, for the W.E. Du Bois Poetry Slam Invitational this Friday. Do I have yes. that right? And the conference, the uh, um, Black Artistic Freedom yep. Conference. Yeah. Okay. I turn the microphone back over to you, Professor Shabazz. Well, I'd like to start um, connecting that history lesson to, to our talk today. Um, the, the, the organization that really began to promote and popularize the idea of, of, at that time, Negro History Week, the Association for the Study of African American Life and History, it is known today, it puts out a theme to kind of um, stimulate uh, certain conversations stimulate certain observances of Black History Month and of, and of recognizing Black history as valuable all across the year. And the theme selected for this year is African-American and the arts, African-American and the arts. And what I'd like to, to ask you about, Brother uh, 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 Jamon Hill, is what is the arts to you? And, 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 and as um, someone connected with African-American culture and African-American people, what, what, what is that connection like for, for you in terms of what, what art is and what the arts are? Well, for me, I think, um, first of all, thank you for, for, for giving us all that, that history of Black, Black History Month. It's one of my favorite, one of my favorite um, histories to hear about in the work of, of Carter G. Woodson. Um, which, you know, expands, I, I think everybody who's listening here should, you know, just, just take some time to look up um, the extensive work of Carter G. Woodson. Um, but when it, when it comes to the arts, I, I believe the arts are the original mode of, of self-expression. 
So when we think about um, our, our identities and where our self-worth comes from, and where our value comes from, I think that it's important for people to feel as though their voices are valuable um, and that the way they express themselves is valuable. And I feel like art is one of those places where you get to express yourself freely. Um, it's, it's kind of like a catalyst um, for self-worth. It's a catalyst for boosting self-confidence. It's a catalyst for establishing the self um, and understanding the self and loving the self, which I believe is one of the first steps to establishing and loving the community. Um, I, I believe that art um, functions as a catalyst for crucial conversations. It functions as a catalyst for community growth. It functions as a catalyst for understanding. Um, and it's why um, for me and, and for the work that I do, um, I focus on art because I, I believe that before you can, um, before you can, before you can really do anything, you have to believe that you can do anything, right? And yeah. um, that is where that is where art plays the role, where it's it's literally expression. There's no right or wrong answer to it. You are the right answer. Um, wow. What you create is art. Um, nice. so yeah. Tell me then, how do you connect that? to the flourish. I watched some of your, your videos and, and discussions uh, um, of the flourish. Tell folks about what the flourish is and how it manifests where you, where you are. Yes. Yeah, so the, the flourish is, um, is a theory. Um, you mentioned earlier I had gotten my master's in communication studies and in women's studies. Those are both um, MA programs. And if anybody knows um, you know anything about the difference between an MA and an MFA, um, with an MFA, which is a Master of Fine Arts, you usually produce some sort of artistic project. Well, I was doing an MA, which was a, a Master of Arts, which means you are doing a research paper or a research project. And there I was doing a one-man show. So I had to, <laughs> I had to have a paper attached to that. And um, for that paper, I, I was like, I want to talk about this idea of the flourish. I have been working with students in... Um, Northport, which is a city that's just to the north of Tuscaloosa. And I was asking these, you know, K through sixth um, grade children, black children, what did it mean to be black? And all of their answers were negative. Um, it meant wow. we went through slavery or it meant that we were bad or it meant that we, you know, that white people didn't like us. And I, I, w I wanted them to attach blackness to something that wasn't negative. Um, mm -hmm. and, and that's where I came up with the idea of the flourish or this idea that black people are infinitely possible and, and tying this idea of blackness to our ability to, in the midst of all of this madness that is the world, to still find a way to self-identify, to still find a way to create a way, to make a way um, out of no way. Um, to not just be in a space that's toxically positive, you know, we talk about toxic positivity, um, but, but talk about um, the trials and tribulations in a way that recognizes that we have survived and we have thrived despite those things. Um, and that's where the, the, when we tie the arts to it, um, this idea that black people are infinitely possible, I tie that back to the arts um, because that's where I feel like the first mode of expression exists. So I'm like, how do we see we're infinitely possible? Well, one of the first ways that we do that is we create what we think of. 
um, I always like to, to say um, in the 1600s, if somebody writes a book about how black people are seen as citizens, that would be con considered Afrofuturism at that time. <laughs> it's like, what are... What what are the what are the futures that we can that we can start to imagine and then start creating the practical steps for? But in order for us to create those steps, we have to imagine, which means imagination is required for you know liberation. We need imagination. We need um, imaginative peoples, people who are willing to think outside of the outside the box and outside the lines. And I see you you kind of enact that with. It workshops with young people, with students, and and you get them into a kind of a flourishing mode. Is that right? Yes, yes. I actually um, we we built the so the theory became a nonprofit organization. Um, we actually the the Flourish Alabama, which which works across the entire city of Birmingham, the state of Alabama, and beyond. Um, we work with youth, um, helping them recognize their infinite possibility through arts education. Um, that's focused on different social justice initiatives. We build up the, the local artist economy here in Birmingham. We've invested over $195,000 this past year alone um, in artists, paying them for residencies, performances, um, or within our organization, just in administrative roles. And um, we're building a black arts district here too in um, a neighborhood in Birmingham known as Inslee. Um, and just doing work to shift narratives surrounding black people, utilizing the arts as our as our front. Fantastic. This is so good. You know, the um, you wanted to get in, Bill? I have a question, if I might, for Professor Jamon Hill. We should note who will be the MC at the W.E. Du Bois Poetry Slam Invitational this Friday, February 23rd, from 6 to 8 o'clock at uh, Frickola Hall. 813 North Pleasant Street, this Friday, February 23rd, W.E. Du Bois Poetry Slam Invitational. I'd like to know from you, Professor Hill, as an internationally renowned spoken word artist and poet, why this medium, why this form of expression? What brought you to this as your way of communicating or a significant way in which you communicate? So the story is twofold. The, the first part as to, to why poetry is really simple. When I was when I was growing up, I was I was obsessed with hip hop. I was a hip hop head. I was going to either rap or go to the NBA. And I ended up being 5'10". Um, so the NBA wasn't really an option. Um, but uh, while I was still doing hip hop, one of my friends, when I got to the university, of Alabama in 2014 as a junior. His name's Eric Marable Jr. And he, he co-founded the Flourish Alabama with me. He was the director of my one-man show as well. He said, have you tried writing poems? And I was like, no. And uh, from then on, I started writing poems. That's part one. That's the, that's the really simple answer as to why do I write poetry. Now, why this medium for this, for this specifically when I started writing poetry at the University of Alabama, we were also involved in the We Are Done movement, which was a, a movement to change the names of buildings on the campus, to yeah. start an intercultural diversity center, um, an office of diversity, equity, and inclusion. This was around the same time that at the University of Missouri, they were getting national coverage for trying to change the names of buildings. And um, I was asked to speak um, at different protest movements um, or um, in instances of protest on campus where I would go and perform poetry. And 
And from that point forward, my poetry was, that was the point of my poetry, was to um, speak for our people and the changes that we wanted to see in the community. Um, and that's why for me, that, that was the medium. Poetry also for me has, um, even though I, I did not study poetry, so I don't know the quote unquote rules, but I do know poetry has less of them than some other mediums, right? Mm. And um, I like the the idea that there's there's more space, there's more possibility within the within the mode of poetry, and because of that, um, it has been my one of my favorite mediums of expression. I've now learned as I've ventured into other forms of art that you can break the rules everywhere, but this was the first place where I was where I was learning that you could break the rules. Um, and and to to be black and to state that you deserve to be treated as equal is to break the rules of America. Um, so why not pick a medium where I'm very comfortable breaking the rules? We are speaking do with you, Professor. Do we have Jamon a break Hill. coming up? We do. We we're speaking with Professor Jamon Hill, uh, internationally renowned poet, playwright, and spoken word artist, who will be the MC at the W.E. Du Bois Poetry Slam Invitational this Friday, February 23rd at Furcalow Hall on North Pleasant Street in Amherst. Of course, we have with us on this special edition of Black in the Valley, Professor Emilkar Shabazz. We'll continue this conversation right after this. Poetry in motion. Listening to Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg. You're listening to Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg, WHMP. We continue this special edition of Black in the Valley with Professor, African American professor uh, at UMass Amherst, Emilkar Shabazz, and with spoken word artist, poet, and playwright, internationally renowned Jamon Hill. We turn the microphone back over to you, Professor Shabazz. Yes, and I'm going to uh, offer the mic up just a moment here. Just want to say, the, one of the greatest poets in my life, who so affected my life, hails out of Alabama, right where Jamon Hill is now, and that's Sister Sonia Sanchez. She is my my, my everything. But Jamon Hill, I want people to know how to look up more. Beautiful website at Jamon hill.com that's j-a-h-m-a-n-h-i-l-l jamonhill.com will you break us off something bro sort of like how how things flow yes 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 all right so um just the other day i was informed that when when black people die and go to heaven they go through this purification process and god will turn them white like everyone else in heaven. <laughs> uh, now, before I chalk this up to the to the dumbest thing I had ever heard at a historically white college or university, I decided to ask some questions because who knows they might be white. <clears throat> they might be right. So, so first, does God turn us white before or after we get to heaven? Like when we die, does the black skin fall off our white bones, or do we Michael Jackson moonwalk off our melanin, strutting to a lighter shade? Do we remove our black like a coat? Does God hang it on the nearest tree while we all watch and pose for postcards? 
Is the halo actually a really fine-tooth comb that you can't fit on your head if you're hair nappy? I mean, do they sell blue magic and promise cocoa butter at the Angel Supermarket or just mayonnaise? Or do we shed our skin to the sound of privilege seeping into our souls? After waking up morning after morning, the streets paved with gold because apparently God just loves gold through all these riches. We obviously couldn't have afforded in our short lives make the black skin just want to crawl off our bodies. Is this what inheritance feels like? Question two. If everybody white, do anybody clap on beat? Uh, three. Is this what they did to Jesus when he died on the cross? All woolly haired and whatnot when he looked up and asked God why had he forsaken him? Did God look back down and say you should have been white? Don't know why you asked to be colored. Why you ask for all that excellence? You know it comes with a cost. No, don't get cross with me, young man. I told you. If you hung out with murderers and thieves, you would hang with them too. You know they're going to call you white after you save them anyway. They will wash you white as snow. Clean you up for the camera. You know they say good deeds smell just like Clorox bleach and have the same effects. Watch them do you the same way they do history. And honestly, I don't think God would say all that, which is why I was asking the question. Um, last question. If God turns me white, what will I think about black people? Will I look at them the same way you look at me? If so, to hell with that. Wow. That's it. That's it. So I want to also mention one uh, that that that's uh, spot on. That's what you're going to, to feel. That's what you're going to get uh, coming to the Poetry Slam uh, Invitational, Du Bois Invitational on Friday, this Friday. But uh, the next day, want to also note that the uh, there is a Black AF Conference 2024. The Black Artistic Freedom Conference takes place with, in the College of Ed and from 9 a.m. to 4 p.m. open to all students, educators, artists, community organizers, activists who are interested in the history, practice, and recognition of Black artivism. Artivism. The conference will be a representation, exploration, and celebration of all things Black, artistic, and engaged in social justice. It has an artist track, an educator track, and an activist track and it's free and open to all. How do you feel about that part of it, uh, uh, Jamon? What can you share with us on that? So one of the things that I'm really excited for, um, and I love I love um, the AF artistic freedom. Um, I love that. Um, I have a shirt that says Black AF. I tell people it stands for Black and Flourishing. Um, but I'm going to be leading a workshop. <laughs> I'll be leading a workshop there that, that is, um, tackling the intersection between art and activism um, and how to create um, um, poetry that, that is, is able to reach people and is able to talk about, you know, different social justice issues. So I'll be, I believe I'm going to be doing two workshops on um, social justice themed poetry. So I'm really looking forward to it and I'm really excited about the different tracks. And if you want to RSVP, you want to register, want to get involved, just go to iwallace at umass.edu. That's I-W-A-L-L-A-C-E at U-M-A-S-S dot E-D-U. That's for Imani Wallace uh, coordinating all of this. And so really, um, 
this is a, uh, we want to uh, welcome you through Black in the Valley to uh, uh, the community here and uh, look forward to you arriving on Friday and, uh, and having a wonderful uh, time with us all, Jaman. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to it and I'm, I'm excited for the opportunity. And I should Fantastic. note, I, I would like to ask uh, you, Professor Shabazz, is this, uh, event, are these events open to the public? Uh, any charge? Absolutely free and open to all. Absolutely. And this is coming to us the Friday by the W.E.B. Du Bois Center in our library and the events on uh, uh, the next day, uh, the, the conference is particularly our, our UMass um, uh, Center for Race and uh, Youth. I'm messing it up, Jamon. Um, <laughs> but anyway, it's uh, our colleagues, uh, uh, Jamila Lai, Scott, Keisha Green, and other folks over there in College of Education. So please come. There'll even be breakfast, lunch, snacks, refreshments. Well, it's an amazing event that you are putting together at, uh, at, from the Du Bois Center. I'd really like to thank you for bringing Professor Jamon Hill uh, to the show today, internationally renowned poet and playwright and spoken word artist who will be the MC again at the W.E. Du Bois Poetry Slam Invitational this Friday, February 23rd, 6 to 8 o'clock at, at Furcolo Hall at UMass. That's on North Pleasant Street. It will be an extraordinary event spoken word artists with Jamon Hill as the MC. Thank you both so very, very much. Thank you so much. Thank Bill. you for and having me. And that's the Center of Racial Justice and Youth Engaged Research, which Jamon Hill is a great leader of. This is Talk the Talk with Bill Newman and Buzz Eisenberg.